Hello everyone and welcome back to Bench Busted FPL. My name is Jack and as always I am joined by Nick. Nick, how are you doing this week? Doing well this week, Jack. It's not over yet. So I'm positive at the moment and it could all turn to absolute just filth. But at the moment I'm feeling great. I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. Yeah, of course, we are in the midst of the biggest ever double game week in FPL history. Double game week 26 of the 2020-2021 Premier League season. And I mean, so far it's been pretty average. I mean, there are quite a few scores of 100 plus, you know, 80 plus, 90 plus floating around. But I think in terms of sort of the more casual players, I'd like to call us casual players because although we do, well, certainly I take it a lot more seriously than I am willing to admit... It is just a game at the end of the day, and I feel like I'm I'm certainly a lot more casual in the game than a lot of other FPL managers. But yeah, it seems like it's been a bit of a disappointment so far. As you say, we are we we're recording this on on a Thursday, and we do have some of the final rounds of of the fixtures to be played this evening. Um, after we finish recording, we've got Fulham versus Spurs, West Brom versus Everton and Liverpool versus Chelsea. And I mean, you know, you own a couple of the Liverpool assets. I've got sort of my feet in each of the games. I've got uh, Harry Kane up top still left to play. I've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well from Everton. And of course, I have Salah and Robertson. So we'll just quickly run through some of the most notable fixtures, talk about our teams, look forward to some of the games that are happening this evening and, and you know, what we need from the players who are going to be featuring in those aforementioned games and uh yeah obviously look forward to game week 27 double game week 27 it should be said as well for for a couple of the teams in the premier league and then of course the planning and everything moving forward towards blank game week 29 in in just a couple of weeks time so we'll start off saturday i don't want to talk about all of the fixtures because i think they're what was it 17 fixtures all told um in in this game week but saturday man city Versus West Ham to start us off. Man City maybe survived a bit of a scare in that one. 2-1 victors over West Ham. But Mikel Antonio yet again scoring an- another goal since he's returned to-, to fitness. You know, he was out of action for a few games. And, you know, you and me both decided to transfer out Antonio. And it's sort of come back to bite us. I mean, Jesse Lingard as well really stole the show. But I mean, the the, the plaudits and everything really have to go to KDB. He's back and, and he looks like he means business. He's back. He looks like he means business. He's playing out of his mind, as is. And obviously, he didn't play in this game. Cancelo. I think watching Man City at the moment is awesome. It's just awesome. It's just a shame that I can't pick players that start in both of their games. That's the only thing that's upsetting. Sterling didn't play, and he's in my team for that game. Um, Gundogan, did he play? He played. He played for a little bit, didn't he? Popped in, uh, said hi for <laughs> for a second or two. Didn't get anything in that game either, I believe. Um, it should, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to eventually be able to pick players that, that play for Man City. And I, by play, I mean, you know, actually are on the pitch because... Oh, they're a joy to watch. And you're so right. KDB. <laughs> is he coming in on the on the Game Week 30 wildcard? Is he part of the, the future for us? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean, you talk about Gundogan. I think he actually did play the majority of, of that game against West Ham. It was, of course, the second game for City against Wolves that he did feature in the last sort of 10 minutes or so. But I guess, you know, he didn't really do a lot in that game and, and didn't really get any returns in terms of an, an FPL haul. It does look like Gundogan has maybe gone off the boil a little bit now that KDB is is back in that squad. And of course, you know, the thing about KDB is he looks like he's the most nailed 
outfield player in that team. I mean, we talk about the defenders and how well they've been playing um, and, you know, the Stones and Diaz partnership is, is really thriving. I mean, in fact, both of those players are, are the players responsible for, for that win. I mean, they both scored goals. Yeah, I mean, I can't really complain. I, I've got Ruben Diaz in my team and, and it was fantastic from him. Uh, you know, I, I was shocked more than anything to see him getting on the score sheet. And yeah, like I say, I mean, although we, we do talk quite a bit about those two at the back, Pep does have quite honestly a surplus of defenders at the moment I mean he's got he's got Nathan Aki he's still out injured but he can play on that left-hand side of the defense and also as a centre-back you know you've got Laporte in there as well who's basically similar to Ake you've got Kyle Walker who at times has been employed as a centre-back as as cover Cancelo as you say who can play well literally anywhere to be honest and then you've got Benjamin Mendy Alexander Zinchenko I get it. You know, Pep likes to rotate his teams and it's, it's it's not like we should be shocked by it, to be honest. But yeah, I think KDB going forward has to be considered as as part of anyone's wildcard plans. Anyone who's still got their second wildcard left, as we both do, surely we need to start looking at KDB and eyeing him up and, and sort of maneuvering our teams and our transfers and, and trying to make sure that we have enough room for him. Yeah, certainly agree. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. We'll obviously talk about this later. We'll talk about this in the next, in the next four weeks. But there is, there are a lot of plans going on at the moment for, I like this. So there are a lot of plans going on for them, how our midfields will look when we wildcard eventually. And boy, there are some hot, hot options. And you're right. Maybe, maybe, I don't know if necessarily Gundogan's um, not playing so offensively or, 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 or I don't know if it's necessarily that KDB's back um, as to why Gundogan isn't playing so offensively it could just be that he's a bit tired or, or that um, that teams are aware of his threat because he does seem to be making the same sort of runs into the box he is sort of in and around the right areas still um, which he hasn't been in the past so I'm still I'm still hot on the Gundogan I'm, I'm still absolutely riding that it's just that um it's just that maybe he doesn't make that maybe there's just not enough room for him in my big my big five midfield when it comes time to wildcard. Until then, he's in and he's staying. And and frankly, Jack, when we talk about captaincy options for next week, he better be he better be your number one pick because if he's not, we'll have words. We'll have words. <laughs> yeah, of course, we'll, we'll we'll get on to that later on in the podcast. Uh, no doubt about that. What one game I do want to talk about that did happen on on the Saturday, following on from the Manchester City game. Now I don't. I don't think a lot of managers would have been watching this game or, or even paying attention to this game. But the West Brom versus Brighton game was, well, let's let's be quite honest, it was it was full of controversy. West Brom went ahead fairly early on via a Carl Bartley goal, and then you know Brighton did their best to try and work their way back. There was. I it was a farce to be honest. Lee Mason, you know, I I don't want to spend too much time talking about referees and VAR and whatnot but I honestly don't know what was going on there you know Brighton won a free kick just outside of the West Brom penalty area the referee blew his whistle therefore Dunk stepped up and and instinctively took the free kick and I mean Johnston was still on the post trying to get his wall lined up and Lee Mason hadn't seen him out of position still and the ball goes into the back of the net but Lee Mason blows his whistle for a second time before the ball has crossed over the line. So it goes to VAR. They don't give it initially. Or, or Lee Mason rules it out 
on the pitch initially. It goes to VAR. It doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it. Then when you listen back to it, you can hear him blow his whistle a second time just before the ball crosses the line. And I mean, Lee Mason overturned it, gave it as a goal. Then it wasn't a goal. And I mean, quite honestly, I can understand why Lewis Dunk was was so frustrated with him. Yeah, and and you could sort of tell that the referees thought that <laughs> it it felt like the referees could tell they thought they'd made a mistake because then whew, they're just they're just saying, hey, Brighton, have a couple of penalties. We'll make it up to you. Have a couple of penalties. <laughs> Maybe you can pop some of these in. But Brighton said no. We believe <laughs> we believe in trying fairly, and and that's the story of Brighton's season. That that um, they missed. Obviously, they missed both penalties. They lost one nil. They 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 missed their penalties. It was Gross and Welbeck. So they switched it up. They were like, Gross, you missed. We'll let Welbeck have a try. But Welbeck can only score if he's falling over, um, which is obviously not unless he really tries during a penalty. Isn't the situation for him? So. So, so Brighton are this team that perpetually just just create loads of chances and they have a great midfield, but because they have terrible, terrible finishers, they just can't score. They just can't score. It's amazing. They are they are as as one person I, I know puts it that Brighton are the trap. They're just the trap. And I think if Graham Potter had players, I'd love to see Graham Potter at Barcelona, wouldn't you? It would just be it would just be if he had players that were capable of of just playing very basic football. Then um, I think Brighton will be doing a lot better, and it's a real shame that Dunk didn't get that goal because I know there's a lot of there's a lot of Dunk haters out there, Jack. You'll be surprised to hear this. There's a lot of Dunk haters. I know one person who originally named their team after Lewis Dunk had him in the team, and then they they hated him so much they took him out of the team and changed their team name. <laughs> That's how much they didn't like Lewis. So there are a lot of Dunk haters out there, and it would have been nice to see him score a goal, get some points. I know that they had a run of clean sheets anyway. Just to just to silence their hatred online. Just the, oh, uh, you don't see it every day. But boy, let me tell you, it'd be nice, <laughs> it'd be nice if Lewis Dunk had scored that. And frankly, I hate seeing West Brom win. I just hate seeing, I, I just, I really, I don't like seeing Sam Allardyce happy. Yeah, I mean... You talk about Brighton and their finishing. I mean, they're certainly creating a lot of chances, if not the most chances over the last couple of games. I mean, they they do love a good shot, but I mean, the majority of them are not on target or, or they're straight down the goalkeeper's throat. So they're not as clinical as perhaps they, they, they would be hoping to be. I mean, it, the bottom of the table is, is very congested at the moment and, and their recent form, although it might look good on paper to, to be firing off shots left, right and centre, they're, they're only three points above Fulham, who are sat in 18th place. So surely that, that, that side now does have to be worrying a bit and, and keeping half an eye over their shoulder as, as they move forward. And they need to start picking up wins, as, as you say. And it's, uh, yeah, it could be, uh, it could spell trouble for, for Graham Potter. We'll, we'll move on, on to some of the games on Sunday then. And of course, one of the most notable games, and I'd say the most notable because Quite honestly, a lot of FPL managers, I think over a million FPL managers transferred in Harvey Barnes as a replacement for for the injured Jack Grealish. And of course, what happens? Harvey Barnes gets injured, I think, just before the 60 minute mark. I think it was around 55, 56 minutes against Arsenal in a game that they lost 3-1. Now, they did take the leads via Yuri Telemans. But um, yeah, Arsenal fought back valiantly. I mean, David Luiz picked up a goal, Lacazette and Pepe. William got two assists. You know, William, who has pretty much done nothing apart from get that hat-trick of assists in, in the first game of the season. He's maybe sort of trying to stake his claim back into that Arsenal lineup. I mean, it was 
It was a rotated side from Mikel Arteta, but you have to understand that they were featuring in, in the Europa League as well on, on Thursday. So you can understand why he did change the team quite a bit. And and I mean, it looked like Leicester were just lacking that creative spark, certainly in the second half after Harvey Barnes had, had been uh, stretched off. We, we think that now he might be out for, for, for six weeks or so. Six weeks minimum, I think, is what the Leicester medical staff have, have come out and said. So... Leicester may be looking like less appealing options at the moment, despite their relatively, well, on paper, easy run of fixtures. Yeah, I think actually that's always the case with Leicester, isn't it? Um, the Arsenal game aside, where they, they just, everyone was injured. Nobody is fit anymore in that in that team. They they typically, and this happened last year a lot as well, they, they typically have a run of fixtures against big teams and and. Vardy and Barnes, uh, Madison, whoever you have, will just perform. They will just absolutely perform against the big teams. I mean, at the big, earlier on in the season, Leicester put five past Man City. That's unthinkable now. Uh, and then they'll have games against the bad teams or the worst teams in the league, your Burnleys, for example, and they will just fall apart and look so bad and so rubbish. They are they're a very good counter-attacking unit, and I think it shows in that way. And... It, it can be very deceptive seeing their their fixtures as good and bad in that respect, but but yeah, Jack. Even now, now they can't even beat Arsenal, who are probably all right. It's hard to tell. So I'd I, I'd stay clear. I'd stay I'd stay so clear of Leicester assets until the big game week thirty wild card, which may be a time to get them back in if they're if they're all recovered and all fit. I know there's an international break between twenty nine and thirty as well. So hopefully hopefully they get the wheels back on. But it's it's, it's sort of it's a shame. It's a shame that they're a team so ravaged by injuries that they just can't even compete at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we sort of got off lightly, really, in the fact that we both transferred in Harvey Barnes uh, prior to this game week. So we did actually get some kind of attacking returns uh, from him last week. So we, we, we weren't stung by transferring him in and then immediately having to, to take him out of our teams. I mean, we have both subsequently sorted out our teams. And, and again, we'll, we'll talk about transfers and stuff going forward later on. But yeah, I mean, Harvey Barnes was pretty much in the form of his life. You know, he scored the most amount of goals that he ever had in, in a Premier League season. And I mean, that attacking trio, it, it did really look like that they, they missed that creativity of, of James Madison, I have to say. Um, yeah, as you say. Leicester very much a counter-attacking team and it very much feels as if if that's not working for them they they, they have very little in 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 the way of a backup attack plan so yeah I mean it's 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 difficult for Leicester but I mean at, at least they're not moaning about it like like some other uh, teams in the league are oh, no no names mentioned here Liverpool um, <laughs> but we'll move on talk about the Spurs game a, a fantastic game for a lot of FPL managers a lot of FPL managers who decided to to take a punt on none other than Gareth Bale he's been showing it over the last couple of weeks now certainly in the Europa League as well um, he's been showing signs of the Gareth Bale of old, as it were, certainly when he was in the Premier League and, and in his early days at Real Madrid, where, you know, he had that raw pace. He, he could literally shoot from anywhere. He can ping balls across the field and find the target with ease. And he chipped in, got an assist, got two goals, got all three bonus, ended up with 19 points. I've seen some people with a triple captain on him, ended up with 57 points from just one player. I mean, 
we, we, we were just looking at the team news as well just before we started recording and he and he is starting again today so potential for for mega hauls from the Welshman yeah no fair play to the sort of player who brings in Gareth Bale after almost nothing I, I don't think we've seen anything from Gareth Bale to suggest that he's ever going to score a goal again and then he does that I think yeah fair play to the guy who brings him in or the player who brings him in sorry but also the player the, the sort of person who brings Gareth Bale in for that for that week or, or for this week is the sort of player who brings in Vinaldum on a punt or, <laughs> or or I was gonna say Minamino but Minamino's actually been okay um just, just any random midfield like Pulisic, right? It's the sort of person who just goes, "I think it's time for Pulisic," and and that flops hard. So, yeah, fair play to you. I'd love to get in on this Spurs action. I'm going to wait until after today because we are we're recording this in the in the beautiful period of time between the team sheet being released and the game starting, and we've seen uh, alongside Gareth Bale playing, uh, Deli Ali is also starting for Spurs. They've got a front four, I guess, of of Kane. Uh, Delhi, Son, and and Bale. I assume with with Delhi Ali actually playing in that in that ten position that he he actually can play very well. Terrifying stuff, actually terrifying stuff. And and so I'm hoping against all hopes really that Fulham just shut them out and somehow keep the clean sheet because otherwise it's going to be a slaughter, Jack. It's going to be it's going to be a mad rush to get in all of these Spurs assets like Bale and and I can't hack it. It will just break my heart. I don't like Spurs. They hate their they hate their assets. <laughs> As you say, it will be interesting to see how they set up today for sure. Because Spurs certainly in this game and, and Harry Kane in the game against Burnley was dropping so far deep. It will be interesting if if he does drop deeper and allow Deli Ali to to run off of him. So we know that Deli Ali and, and Harry Kane certainly of seasons past over the last couple of years they they were striking up a fantastic partnership. He's been out of favour with with Jose Mourinho I think I, I would really love to see Dele Alli get get his uh, scoring boots back on and, and really cement a, a place back in in that side especially when you consider the fact that after the season has ended England are going to the Euros so I think that there are a lot of competition now for for spots in that England lineup um, and it would be fantastic to see Dele Alli work his way back into that Spurs lineup and, and actually cement himself in that team under Jose Mourinho so bright things for for, for Spurs, certainly going forward. Probably one of the biggest disappointments of the weekend, although maybe a bit predictable, was the nil-nil draw between Chelsea and Man United. I mean, it was billed as, you know, one of the top six clashes, put up the names and lights, everything like that, all on the billboards. But yet again, Man United endeavouring to, to pick up a nil-nil draw. I mean, after this game, of course, all of the stats coming out about Man United and Bruno Fernandes and how he sort of just disappears in the big games. Should we be worried for Man United when they do come up against opposition who are fighting for, for a top four spot? It's weird, isn't it? Because when you see Man United in sort of the knockout games, like in the Cups, like in Europe, they, they give it everything still. They, they don't play for these sorts of weird nil-nils that they seem to play for. In the league, and we've had enough of a sample now that we can say that they sort of just do play for this nil-nil, this turgid affair. And yeah, I, there's a bit of hindsight here because I hate, I'm going to spoil it, Jack. Yesterday, Man United drew nil-nil with Crystal Palace as well, and I, and I captained Bruno for 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 this game week, thinking that that he might be able to tear apart a Crystal Palace team who have just been conceding big chances left, right, and centre. And it's got me thinking. It's got me thinking about. Well, it's got me thinking two things, actually. It's got me thinking, A, that maybe moving Fernandez in and out 
around the big fixtures. Let's say he has a bad run of fixtures coming up, like moving him out for them and then back in afterwards could be a good strategy if you have the transfers and the planning and the ability to do it. And B, Luke Shaw, what a pickup. Two, <laughs> two clean sheets. Two clean sheets. Thank you very much, Luke Shaw. Nice work. Um, big stuff from, from the guy I got in for 4.9. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, Luke Shaw, uh, that, that, that United team is just... As you say, it's a bit it's a bit of a weird one. And I think that that's what a lot of FPL managers are looking at now is in the future, as you say, transferring him in and out of the team. It may not be the wisest thing to do, certainly if you've got other issues to sort out in your team. But it does look like one of the things that is a possibility if you, as you say, if you do have the capability of doing that and working your team around that Man United fixture schedule, then perhaps that's something that that could be on the cards. I mean, when you look at their immediate fixtures, they go to Manchester City away from home in game week 27. So that's that's, that's that's the clash on the Sunday. And then they got West Ham at home as well. And, you know, the way that West Ham are playing at the moment, that's that's not an easy fixture, even though it is at Old Trafford. They they are one of the many teams that blank in 29. Then they've got Spurs away in, in, in 31 when you're looking at the fixtures. Liverpool at home in 34 and Leicester. Mm, I mean, the, that Leicester game, again, depending on the, the, the situation with Leicester, that could be a, a, a tough fixture for them. But then again, when you look at the Premier League and the way that the Premier League is shaping up so far this season, I mean... Any game really for Man United is is looking like it could be a tricky affair. But I, I do think it's a bit weird that for whatever reason, Bruno Fernandes decides not to perform in, in these big games. Quite honestly, yeah, I, I, I can't put my finger on why he is not performing at the level that we know he can perform at. I know that there was this whole controversy about the handball and the, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi trying to defend against Mason Greenwood and... Certainly from all of the replays that I've seen, it maybe there is a bit of a nudge from Mason Greenwood to push Hudson-Odoi's hand onto the ball. But I don't think you can be relying on penalties to, to win clashes against these, these top teams. If you want to challenge for the Premier League title, you need to be competing week in, week out, regardless of, of who you're playing against. So... I don't know. I don't know what Oli's got to do to that Man United side to to revamp them, as it were. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of work. And and actually, I don't think he's. I saw some stats today that suggest that he's not actually better than than Mourinho or um, Van Gaal were in their time at United. That their, their results are very similar. Their goal difference and points are very similar as well. So, so them being in second is actually just a product of of the league being a bit rubbish this year and and everyone being congested in terms of their fixtures. Not not in terms of illness. <laughs> Although actually you could say that because that they have COVID, they are congested. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> the fixtures are congested. The the league's a bit sort of more open. The teams that have the lighter schedules are doing better, like Aston Villa, Everton and West Ham. That They are success stories of the season. And probably in part, it's due to the fact that they have less fixtures. So... So United flattered to deceive a little bit. And, and although they're in second, I don't know if they're necessarily... As good as, as as I thought they were, at least earlier in the season, or, or as as we were led to believe, um, and I, I didn't really get to see the game yesterday either against Crystal Palace um, because I had it on. It was just really foggy, and <laughs> it was quite hard to see how how Bruno was doing in that game. Truthfully, 
I think he's a bit tired and I think I think they need a bit of a rest. And I'm certainly looking and I'll tell you about this. I'll tell you all about this later. I'm looking at maybe potentially removing Bruno for the immediate future um, as a result of this. But keeping Luke Shaw because they just love a nil nil. And and if they don't get a nil nil, he's getting attacking returns um, quite often, isn't he? So I'm up for that. I'm up for a Man United defender. I'm not so hot on going deep into their attack as I was last week. I was very excited about them last week, but this week I'm sort of a bit more realistic. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I mean, I I, I think I've got to applaud your ambition for holding on to Luke Shaw, thinking that he'll get any attacking returns or a clean sheet against a Man City side who are just, let's be honest, you know, they're just pushing every team out of their way. What is it now? 21 victories in a row for them. Before we get on to, to talk about that 21st victory, just want to chat a bit about the Sheffield versus Liverpool game. And in what can only be described as quite a bizarre result, actually, because, I mean, Liverpool kept a clean sheet. Oh, amazing, right? Uh, a bit of an upset there. You sort of, I, th- I think Sheffield United are probably favourites going into that, being the team at home. <laughs> uh, they probably have better form. But, uh, oh, Jack, that's why at the very start of the show, I was quite excited because you know what happened this week? Trent Alexander-Arnold, he didn't just get a clean sheet, Jack. He got he got three. He got three bonus points. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, sure. I mean, let's go with that. I mean, to be honest, mate, I'm... As a Robertson owner, I'm 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 more than happy with just a clean sheet at at this point in time. I know it's it's weird to think that the Liverpool defence, certainly Robertson and, and Trent, are maybe considered as differentials. I mean, when you compare their ownership stats to to last season, certainly over the last couple of seasons, even you know they were, I think at times there were certainly teams in FPL and I think it must have been something like 50-60% of of active FPL teams would have had both of them in there because they were just so good and they were just you know Liverpool were just a different outfit over the last couple of years and this season they've not been that great yes defensive issues have have hampered them but they just haven't really been performing in the final third of the pitch Um, maybe they're getting a bit of their a bit of their touch back now Certainly with the crosses and and as you say, I mean Trent Alexander Arnold looked very, very attacking um in that game. Not so much Andy Robertson, but yeah, Trent Trent looked very good in that game. And like I say, I guess it's not really a differential because it's just over ten percent ownership, but Trent Alexander Arnold at about fourteen percent and Robertson at about fifteen percent. Every return that we get out of those defenders are are positive returns, you know. A lot of managers don't own the Liverpool defenders. And I mean, quite rightly so. Why would you want to, given the form that they're in? But it is it is always nice to see Liverpool pick up a clean sheet. And again, you know, Robertson picked up one bonus. It's not as good as Trent's free. Yes, I get that. But I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it 100%. To be honest, Liverpool could have quite easily won that game by, you know, three or four goals. Um, Ramsdale had a fantastic game. Um, and, and to be honest, without him... They probably would have conceded, yeah, maybe five goals in that one. So credit where credit's due. Sheffield United did, of course, come close in that one as well. And and there were times where you thought that maybe the clean sheet would be wiped out. But they held on. The boys held on. As I say, we'll move on to talk about the Man City game. A team that are just, again, the, the, the second Man City game of the game week. They are just bulldozing their way to this Premier League title. I mean... 
You look at the table, they're 14 points clear now. They, as I said, 21st consecutive victory for Manchester City. Considering where they were at the start of the season, I think after five or six games, they hadn't won a game. And it was the worst start for them in the Premier League. The way that they've turned it around, not only their attack, because when you look at it, they've they've been without the likes of Aguero. Gabriel Jesus has been in and out of the team, you know, Pep loves his rotation, as we touched on earlier. But just their offence without those two players, their defence as well, you know, we touched on it earlier with Stones and Ruben Diaz and Cancelo as well. I mean, Cancelo didn't do anything in the game, but my God, did he look like he was a threat every time. I mean, Pep has come out and said the way that he likes to play is Cancelo will tuck inside and Rodri drops a bit deeper. And we've seen Cancelo do it on several occasions before where he does get himself into good potential goal-scoring positions and he found himself out in so much space on the left-hand side of the pitch. I think Wolves perhaps set up to to counter him playing so narrow, which just left him more space out on the left-hand side of the pitch. Wolves, of course, wiped out the clean sheet for Manchester City. But in the end, Man City came out 4-1 winners. I mean, it was a it was an annoying Connor Cody goal for me, that's for sure. Someone who owns double City defence, looking up at the clock and seeing, oh yeah, it's gone past 60 minutes. Yes, I've got two extra clean sheets and then 61st minute and uh, Man City concedes. So that was a bit of a, uh, a bit of a punch to the gut, if I must say so myself. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I'd like to have seen the, um, the Cancelo clean sheet. It's, it's sort of what he deserved. But Connor Cody, was that... I think I saw a stat, Jack. I think I think I saw that it was his first ever shot on target in the Premier League, and it was his first ever goal. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Just just when you think that it that it's, that was bad luck for anyone who does own Man City defence, that is unfortunately bad luck. I think a little shout out to uh, Gabriel Jesus as well. Um, I slam him a lot. He is an absolute donkey. He's he's quite poor in front of goal and, and can't really finish. And he probably should have scored more than than the two goals he got in this game, to be to be honest. Seems like it was the week for just sort of Brazilian donkeys to, to get points. I, I say that because I'm obviously referencing I'm referencing Willian as well, who, <laughs> who got who got points. And no doubt later when Chelsea get beaten by Liverpool, it'll be because Firmino has done some business. Because it's the week of Brazilian donkeys, Jack. It's the week it's the week of Brazilian donkeys and it's the week of Gundawan coming on for eight minutes and getting an assist while I watch Sterling try and try and try <laughs> to get something just to get anything for 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 points and and fail i think patricio made seven saves uh, officially according to fpl and it wouldn't surprise me if if four of them were against sterling shots it's it's just upsetting <laughs> i really wanted more i i mentioned it to you as it happened as well i can't remember who it was who crossed it in i think it might have been uh, riyad mahrez but he put in a ball into the box and it was perfectly on the plate for, for Raheem Sterling. But then Donker was there and he tapped it in and took the goal away from Sterling, which I just found hilarious, to be honest. I mean, he he has since come out and, you know, sort of apologised on, on social media saying, you know, it just wouldn't go in and, and I'm sorry for the FPL points, which I think is, you know, he's sort of just laughing at himself I know that you're finding it a bit frustrating and certainly a lot of other managers who do own Raheem Sterling are going to be frustrated certainly with the uh well not only because he didn't score in that game but of course he was rested 
in that West Ham game, as we alluded to earlier. So it's a bit unlucky. Um, like I say, I think certainly in terms of tripling up on City, I feel more comfortable owning double defence. Although, as I say, Pep does like to experiment around with his centre-backs. I do feel a bit more comfortable because I think Ruben Diaz is, again, second to KDB in terms of having a permanent starting spot in that squad more often than not. So now the fact that he's got, I think, his first goal for Manchester City in the Premier League as well, maybe he's going to start breathing some confidence into him. Maybe when he gets forward for set plays, he's going to start to attack them a bit more. Um, And again, you know, the, the Man City clean sheet, I think that that was what they're 15th 16th goal that they've conceded all season and I think that was it Edison might have the exact same number of clean sheets or maybe just a couple of less clean sheets than the goals that he has conceded in that side so Edison is perhaps looking like a good pickup as well if you are looking to splash out at the back and you want someone who is nailed on in that side maybe Edison's the place to look with the potential of of penalties. I mean, they haven't had a penalty yet since uh, KDB's come back into the side. So who knows if KDB will be back on them or if Edison is going to step up to the plate and and start taking them. We'll quickly run through some of the fixtures on Wednesday. As you alluded to earlier, Man United drawing 0-0 with Palace. I mean, there's not really a lot to, to say about that one. But I think probably one of the Surprise results, certainly of the season so far. Sheffield United winning 1-0 against Aston Villa and the, the the heart and soul of all of us Emmy Martinez owners. Just, oh, it's just crushing to see McGoldrick come around the back post and, you know, the Aston Villa defence just switched off. I mean, a lot of them looked over to the linesman to expecting a flag. When you look back at it via the video replays, McGoldrick timed his run to perfection, it must be said. And yeah, got a simple tap in at the far post and then Villa just couldn't break them down even though Sheffield United were reduced to 10 men after Jagielka had a yellow card reviewed by VAR for a dangerous foul and was subsequently sent off. So Aston Villa, I mean, I think there are signs now that Aston Villa without Jack Grealish are perhaps not as attractive in terms of the FPL assets. Maybe they're not as attractive as they are without him as they were when he was fit and playing. Oh, absolutely. I think um, Ollie Watkins has failed to to register a big chance in the games that he's been out, which is three games now. Whereas before he, he had like eight in three when Grealish was playing. It's night and day between the two where I think anyone who's thinking about getting Watkins in has definitely reassessed. I know that, that he was on our minds at one point and... It's something to think about for the future, just how much of a one-man team Aston Villa are in attack, where if Grealish isn't playing, they're just not creating. They are they are just not creating chances. I know that they obviously beat Leeds 1-0, but come on, they didn't, they didn't do a whole lot there either. So keep Martinez, maybe go for a defender if you really fancy pushing it out. But, but I think until Grealish comes back and until Grealish proves he's fit, which probably won't be until at least after the international break, based on sort of the leaks and the rumours that, that are out there, I would. I'm staying. I'm staying so far away from Aston Villa assets. Just, just incredibly far away from anyone that isn't called Emmy Martinez. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. I mean, I was again, especially when you. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people are looking at them now, considering that they are one of the one of the few teams that featuring in blank game week 29. A lot of FPL managers would have potentially been tripled up with the likes of Matt Target and of course Ollie Watkins and Emmy Martinez. And I think that maybe. Again, you know, having Jed Steer in the side for so long and then having Grealish as well and, and sort of transferring out Grealish for someone who 
isn't an Aston Villa asset has maybe done a lot more good for the team, certainly from from my point of view, than than it has uh, in terms of you know a hindrance to the team as it were. So I'm I'm feeling good about having Emmy Martinez in there because yeah, he didn't have the best game against Sheffield. I don't think that he can be held solely responsible for for them conceding that goal but yeah you know what Sheffield I don't, I don't know with Sheffield I don't know if they've got enough time to turn it around they've, they've played one more game than a lot of the teams around them have obviously that that will sort of level out over the next uh, couple of weeks or so when when all of the fixtures are caught up with as it were but they are you know 12 points behind Newcastle um, at the bottom of the table at the moment. So things aren't looking great for, for that side. Um, I mean, it was their first win in, in the last five games. They've only scored 16 goals all season. They've they've scored one less goal than Manchester City have conceded, which, again, is is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they're thankfully, they're not going to be dubbed as the worst Premier League side because they have now surpassed the Derby County 12 points. Um, they sit on 14 points. So it's not the end of the world. I mean, West Brom... They're not that far away. One win will will, will do it. Um, talking of West Brom, they are one of the teams that are in action tonight, as we spoke about earlier. They are going to be hosting an Everton side with the likes of Richarlison on the scoring form that he's in. DCL is back from his uh, from his injury. He didn't he didn't look great in their first game of the game week against Southampton. I mean, I think he only had something like one shot on target in that entire game, but maybe he's just sort of feeling it out a little bit, trying to get himself back up and running. Um, As an owner, I'm, I'm hoping for the best from him. Of course I am. I think, you know, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin both start tonight. It looks like Richarlison may be playing out on the left-hand side as he is known to do, but we also know that Richarlison likes to drift inside as well. A notable absentee, from that starting lineup is, of course, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who has been, quite honestly, a, a revelation for, for Everton over the last couple of weeks. He's been sort of working his way back into that team. I think that maybe it's just a bit of a rest and rotation from Carlo Ancelotti, considering they are going up against a West Brom side who look to be lacking both offensively and, and defensively so far this season. So, I mean, I'm I'm hoping for DCL to do something. We, we were talking about this before, and again, a, a few weeks back, you mentioned Richarlison, and... I think it was just before the the sort of mini scoring run that he's gone on now. You were talking about how bad Richarlison looked. Um, is, oh is he, no! Is, <laughs> is he potentially someone who's in your future plans, or, or someone that you might be looking at? Certainly, when it comes to wild carding in in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, blimey, neck, Jack! I can't believe this. Um, uh, you prepared me. You said that you were, that, that you this was on your mind. That the fact that I had called Richarlison <laughs> bad. I I actually, do you know what? I, I still, I, I'll stand by one thing. It's that I've always really liked Richarlison. It's just that he he was actually struggling at all to get any shots on target um, in those weeks up to that comment. Since then, he's got a lot of shots on target and he's done quite well. And today, if there is a penalty given to Everton without Sigurdsson there, he will certainly take it. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him on the score sheet. He's not on my plans, though. He's not, he's not, he's not at all someone I'm looking to bring in. It's going to be really strange because there is still there are still tiny tiny rumours floating around, or, or slightly larger than tiny rumours um, about that there there is the possibility that Aston Villa versus Everton gets put into game week twenty eight, which would give both of those teams a double game week, which would totally scupper all of my plans to build towards twenty nine. And would I get Richarlison in? Would I go Ings to Richarlison like some sort of madman chasing chasing a, a double game week worth of points? Maybe, but um, you would, you would, you definitely <laughs> would. 
I, I could think about it. But uh, up until that happens, I think I'm still building towards 29 and he's not in my plans until then. And he probably isn't in my plans after then because I just like, I like the, I, I like the cheaper options, man. I just like, um, I like Bamford. I like Antonio. Yeah, that's it. Actually, I like Bamford and I like Antonio. And and there would only be two striker options if I was running a midfield of five. Although I'd love to be running a midfield of seven. So no, Jack. He's 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 quality, and I love him to bits. And I like that he looks really hard. He's just he's just a hard man. But um, not for me at the moment. Although he is a bit of a donkey slash Brazilian. So <laughs> is, is this his week? I mean, who knows? Um, certainly, the man himself, the the legend that is Ben Krellin is is saying that potentially the double game week fixture in 28, as you have alluded to, could be announced after the uh, double game week 27 deadline this weekend. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm keeping all my fingers and toes crossed. Obviously, Calvert-Lewin is going to stay in that side for, for a bit longer. Hopefully, uh, he can he can pick up where he left off at the start of the season and, and get back in and amongst the goals this evening. One team of players that you are looking at, and certainly I am hoping for all the best from Captain Kane this evening, but Tottenham Hotspur, as we spoke about a bit earlier, Heung-Min Son looks like, again, to be honest, I don't. I question myself every single day as to why on earth I decided to take Heung-Min Son out of my team. He was in... He was in my team at the start of the season. I took him out of the team when there were rumours about him being injured. Then he scored 18 points, I think it was, in that game week. I put bring him back into the team and he ticks along nicely. I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that Harry Kane was out of the team. But now with Gareth Bale back in there and and perhaps Kane or, or Son not having to rely so much on Kane to, to feed him the ball, he does have other options around him. Heung-Min Son and, and Harry Kane... Both play in blank game week 29 as well against Aston Villa. So is there is there scope for maybe doubling up, tripling up on, on Spurs attacking assets? Ooh, I don't know if tripling up is nice. I like I like the ambition behind that. But um, Jack, that's very relatable energy. That really is. Wake up in the morning, right? You're brushing your teeth, you're looking in the mirror and then you start thinking, <laughs> why? Why did I take Son out of my team? What was the purpose of that? For me, it, it was to get in Sterling, which has sort of been a bit of a stinker. Having said that, obviously, Man City do have a double game week coming up in 27. But um, it doesn't feel like it was a good decision, does it? It doesn't. Having watched Spurs and having seen Son perform, it doesn't feel like we made a good one there. Um, so I feel that. And, and I'm certainly, certainly looking at the triple. Well, not necessarily the triple. At least a double up for game week 29 uh, in terms of getting Kane and Son in. But being brave enough to bring in Bale or uh, Lucas Moura or Lamella or... Or Deli Ali. I don't know. I don't know if I'm necessarily equipped to to make that sort of big call just yet. Yeah, I think a tricky thing about Spurs and of, and of course Arsenal, who also feature in in Game Week 29, is that those two sides are still very much in the Europa League, and and there is a Europa League fixture on the Thursday before blank game week 29 so we saw it with the Arsenal side. We saw how Arteta liked to rotate. I think Jose Mourinho he rotates his side. But I think he's more often than not he's bringing in the likes of Deli Ali and, and Gareth Bale and Carlos Vinicius into the side, and I think Harry Kane is pretty much a safe bet when he's fit. He will play a large majority of the Premier League games, so you know he's he's definitely one of the players that I think a lot of managers are going to be targeting. A lot of us have you know two or three premium 
assets in our side. And certainly both of us have Bruno and Salah and both of those players don't feature in Game Week 29. So there is room to manoeuvre and there's certainly an excess of funds um, that can allow us to bring in the likes of, of Hyungmin Son or, or Gareth Bale as we see fit. One team that we, or one game that we do need to just quickly mention um, that is happening this evening is of course Liverpool versus Chelsea. A Liverpool side who can't defend, a Chelsea side who are finding it hard to create a lot of chances offensively and, and scoring goals isn't really their forte over the last, uh, well, I mean, Thomas Tuchel has come in and he's done a fantastic job at getting that defence to defend well um, and, and bringing in the likes of, of Rudiger, who was seemingly outcast when Lampard was in charge of that side. He has sort of brought out the best defensively in, in that Chelsea side. Going forward, though, Werner, I mean, he's in and out of the side. Tammy Abraham, again, in and out of the side. It's it's really difficult to see where the goals are going to be coming from in that Chelsea side at the moment. I mean, Mason Mount has worked his way back into that starting lineup, and And, you know, ever since he impressed after coming off the bench in Tuchel's first game in charge, I think he's featured in every single game. Giroud maybe looks like he could be... A good option, but again, Chelsea aren't really creating a lot of chances. As a Chelsea fan, what are you expecting from from this uh, Tuchel versus Klopp tonight? I'm expecting a really boring tight game. A bit like, actually, it wasn't that boring, but a bit like the um, the game against uh, Atletico Madrid the other week, where Chelsea basically limited them to, to zero shots on target. Madrid had zero shots on target in that game, and I think they'll try and do the same here, but... I don't know. I, I, my problem is that I really rate Liverpool's fullbacks. I, I, <laughs> Robertson and Trent, for, for better or worse, I obviously really like Trent and Robertson. And I think their ability to create from deep could be Chelsea's undoing, which would be interesting to see, see how it unfolds. And it'd be interesting to see if that's how it actually goes. But I'm a bit worried as a Chelsea fan about Trent and Robbo being able to sort of undo Chelsea from deep, especially Trent, who's a bit better at that weird... KDB-esque cross from deep into the box, uh, whereas Robbo likes to get sort of more to the to the byline. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about Chelsea's um, sort of lacking attacking threat, which means that that Liverpool maybe don't have to worry so much about that. And, and Klopp's not not an idiot, is he? He he, he knows exactly where the dangers lie and, and how to neutralise those things. And I don't think Chelsea have a donkey-esque Brazilian player that they can just put on. <laughs> To, to to randomly score a goal or two, which is, is worrying because that's sort of what we need right now. We just need a, a donkey to turn up and put in a great performance. And who's going to do that? No one I know of. Abraham? Is he, our, is he our best chance? Perhaps. Perhaps he is. It's going to be a weird one. Um, I'm predicting a very, very low scoring game. Maybe Trent scores, loves to score a free kick against Chelsea. So uh, put that on your bingo sheet just in case. But um. I'm predicting a low-scoring, tight affair that that maybe a couple of defensive errors decides in one way or the other because that's basically how Chelsea scored against Atletico Madrid anyway with a, with a penalty. Having said that, prepare now to see a five-three that just blows your mind, where Pulisic comes on and scores a hat trick or something mad like he did at the end of last season. Well, he didn't score a hat trick, but he performed quite well at the end of last season against Liverpool. So, um, nervous, Jack. Very nervous as a Chelsea fan. Very nervous as a Salah owner. Very nervous <laughs> as a Trent Alexander-Arnold owner. Yeah, I mean, as you say, you've you've got the Liverpool duo left in 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 this evening's games. I've got Kane captained with DCL and Salah 
and Robertson still left to play. So effectively five players against your two players with the, with the Kane doubling into whatever he uh, whatever points he doesn't manage to to get this evening. Yeah, I mean I'm on 65. I did take a minus eight going into this week. I know we haven't really spoken that much about our teams. That there, there have been a lot of fixtures to get through. You're on I think what is it 63, but you haven't taken any hits. So it could be a very tight one in terms of the battle for points come the end of, of this evening. So I, I alluded to it earlier as well. We both have got Harvey Barnes in the team or we both had Harvey Barnes in the team. We have both, again, we, we have hive minded somehow and solved the issue by going from Harvey Barnes to Bukayo Saka. And I know a lot of people were sort of questioning sort of, oh my God, well, Saka's not in the squad. What's going on with Bukayo Saka again? You have to remember that Arsenal were playing in the Europa League on the Thursday and he played basically the entire game. Um, so I'm, I'm not worried about Saka not featuring in their next game. I think he just wanted to give him a bit of a rest. Um, you know, we know that Saka in that side, maybe he hasn't really been performing over the last two or three games in terms of FPL returns. But certainly when he's in that side, he's a joy to watch and he really makes things tick in, in that team. And that's really what, what what sold it for me. What caught your eye about Saka and, and, and what made you want to uh, bring him in? I mean, obviously, aside from the fact that Arsenal are one of the teams playing in game week 29, what, what sort of appealed to you about Bukayo Saka? Um, well, exactly that. Last week, I, I actually did go away. I made a list of, of all the players who play in 29 that I'll be looking to bring in. I only get to bring in three of them um, or four of them before Saka. And and he was on that list and he sort of topped that list. And it just seemed like the right opportunity. He, he, he's got his rest now. The fixture against Burnley looks pretty good. His performances in Europe are great. His stats are great. He's great. We have a mutual friend who, who cannot get enough of him and he's an Arsenal fan. So I'm, I'm pretty high on Saka. And... It was weird because we obviously don't really talk about our transfers until sort of we're making them or we've made them. We, we don't we don't decide <laughs> beforehand that we're going to do things together. But throughout the entire season, we have. And throughout and as soon as you as soon as Barnes got injured, you told me afterwards that you brought in Saka and also sent me a message saying, "I know what move you're going to make." And I thought. Oh. <laughs> He know he know, he he's got in Saka and he knows I'm going to get in Saka as well. I, I honestly like I I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I think it's I I like to think it's a good thing because we're thinking along the same lines. But also there are so many different like transfers that could have been made that will probably end up being a lot better than bringing in Saka. I mean I don't want to put the I don't want to put the mockers on it, but you know Saka goes away from home against a Burnley side in game week 27. He uh, Arsenal play West Ham in in blank game week twenty nine. Saka, as I alluded to earlier, there will be a Europa League game just before this one. So if Saka plays the full ninety in that one, <laughs> who knows, mate? We could have been, we could have both just transferred in Saka just to see him benched in in game week twenty nine and not even feature. So I'm a bit I'm a bit nervous about that for sure. God, I hope it's not in favour of the Brazilian donkey, as well. <laughs> especially after especially after all I've said. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I'm a bit cautious about it, but certainly going forward, game week twenty seven. I mean, I, I look like I'm. I'm fairly well set up. I've got still got the triple City. Um, as you mentioned earlier, you know, City play twice in in game week twenty seven. As do Southampton. They are the only two teams who are going to be playing twice. 
um, City versus Man United on, on the Sunday and then City versus Southampton on the Wednesday. And, and Southampton, of course, go away from home against Sheffield on, on the Saturday. So you mentioned it earlier, Gundogan really, in in terms of attacking output, he looks like he could be the captaincy choice. I have a niggling feeling that you will probably captain Sterling if you are going to be bold and, and, you know, sort of luring me into a trap of sticking the armband on Gundogan only to see him play 60 minutes in one of the games. So I don't know. The armband is currently on Gundogan, but it's a weird week. Liverpool play Fulham at home. Kane as well, who play Palace at home. Calvert-Lewin maybe might pick up something against Chelsea away from home, but I'm looking at the rest of my team. And to be honest, I don't don't really know who else I want the captain's armband on at the moment. I was toying with the idea of putting the armband on Ruben Diaz, but I'm, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel putting an armband on a defender, despite how well they have been performing uh, so far this season. I just I I have second thoughts about captaining a defender and, and a centre back at that. I'm I'm so upset, Jack. I I can't handle how, how what just happened. So as you were speaking, I was looking at my team for next week, and I was looking at the fact that I had captained I had Gundogan captained, and I switched it to Sterling. As you were saying, I think you're going to captain Sterling. I, this isn't a joke. This is exactly what happened. And I'm just furious. I'm actually so upset about it. I'm, am I that predictable? I I was trying to think that, you know, you you would be telling me, oh, yeah, it's got to be the captain's armband on Gundogan, surely. And then I suddenly realised, wait a minute, he's got two City attacking players and I've only got one so of course he's going to want me to go to Gundogan so that then he just captains the opposite number so well we've got until Saturday and I'm certainly going to be captaining one of my Man City midfielders it could end up being Gundogan watch this space I've also got Ings for the double game week and this is the big move this is the thing I'm considering so I've made one transfer I had two I'm thinking about going Fernandez down to Son so it used to be that we were preparing for the double game weeks. It was important to get Triple City. It was important to, to maybe get a Southampton player if you were feeling stupid, like I was. Um, <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't paid out big time. It's, it's failed. And Well, we don't know, but it seems to have failed. Now the move is obviously getting game week 29 players in order to wildcard in 30 or 31. And I'm looking at Fernandez and I'm thinking Man City away. That's a banker. That's nil-nil. We know how Man City are. We know what we've said and what we've seen. Usually that's nil-nil. West Ham could be tricky, could be could be a tricky game for them. In, it, when they played them in the FA Cup most recently at home, it was, what, nil-nil, went to extra time, I think. And then like Scott McTominay or someone scored. So again, I'm thinking low scoring. I'm thinking that Fernandes isn't going to pop off. And I'd like to get Son in. I'd like to get Kane in eventually as well. And I think that it might be my move as well that I go Fernandes to Son this week in preparation for 29 and also trying to maximise out my points. So that's sort of on my mind, and that's potentially on the cards. Yeah, I mean, you are certainly, or you, I think we talked about it a bit last week, and you only really had, a, I think it was, what was it, two or three players in, in, in your current squad who are also going to be playing in blank gaming 29. I'm, I'm here, and I think I've got about five players. Um, I, I, I did, for, for whatever reason, I decided to transfer out Bamford despite knowing that he had a blank fixture. Again, I mean, I, I did that move for, for Calvert-Lewin, so I'm not feeling too bad about that, especially if Everton do have a double game week in, in 28 confirmed and locked in um, after the game week 27 deadline. So keeping all my fingers and toes crossed for for that announcement to happen. But 
I look at my team. I look at my team now. I got Emmy Martinez in between the sticks. I got Rafinha, Saka, Kane, and then of course I've got Soufal and Dallas as well. So I've currently got six players who will be featuring in game twenty nine. I I was talking to you about this earlier in the week, and certainly I, I feel like it's a bit we're, we're a bit more liberal with transfers and taking hits when it comes to double game weeks and just regular game weeks. But when it comes to a blank game week, it's 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 very difficult to justify taking a minus four hit if you are bringing in a player because then that player has to outscore that minus four points hit. And if you get it wrong, then you're going to be a net minus two. And if you get it completely wrong, you might even end up with with less points than than, than that. So it's it's tricky. I feel like I'll be happy to have eight players in, in the team uh, going into blank gaming 29. It is, again, a bit of a weird situation because, as you say, we are both looking at that potential wildcard two in in Gaming 30 or 31 after the international break. So we can sort of set up our team with players that we perhaps wouldn't want to have in our starting 11 and then wildcard out of it and, and prepare ourselves for the back end of the season. But yeah, it's a... Uh, it's tricky to try and prepare yourself for this blank game, given how little players uh, actually feature. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's tough, and and I think as a result of that, I'm not taking, especially not for defenders who who are very hard to predict when clean sheets will happen. It's very hard to predict when attacking returns will come from defenders. So I won't be doing that, and I probably won't be doing it for a striker or or a midfielder either, because I'll get the ones that I think will score. Because I because I'm already going to transfer in the ones that I think are going to score. It'll be that I'll be transferring in the ones that I think are like the fourth most likely to score or the fifth most likely to score. And at that point, can I really justify taking taking a hit to bring in a player? I don't think so. So I think I'm going to end up going into that week, week, <laughs> funnily enough, and and just sort of hoping to 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 get through it. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'll have to agree with that. I mean. If you're trying to prepare and you're willing to take a hit, I, I wouldn't take anything more than a minus four. That's that's for sure. Um, I am going to be trying to save up my my free transfers and trying to go into the week with two free transfers if I can. Um, but as you say, I mean, the, the, the Fernandez transfer, like an, an alternative is to get the hit out of the way now um, during a, a quote-unquote regular game week so to do the Fernandez down to Son transfer now take a take for, for me certainly take a minus four for that and then have two free transfers going forward to then have nine players playing and sort of I guess take the minus four on the chin as it were and, and just sort of power through it but safe in the knowledge that well I mean let's be honest Spurs's fixtures look relatively decent in the run-up. Yes, they, they play Arsenal in the North London derby in, in game week 28, but, you know, they've, they've got Palace next week who didn't look convincing against uh, against Man United, although they managed to eke out a nil-nil draw in that one. Um, and then, yeah, as I say, they've got Villa in 29, which is certainly a, a, a weird fixture because we'll both have Spurs attacking assets as well as Emmy Martinez, but there's absolutely no reason why Emmy Martinez can't make 12 saves and concede two goals, and we'll all still be happy for that. Um, I am a bit conscious of the time. We will run through all of the fixtures in double game week 27, and then, uh, yeah, some closing thoughts and then sort of uh, where we're at in terms of the fixtures that are ongoing this evening. I think it's all still nil nil in the games between. Um, Fulham and Spurs and West Brom and Everton so 
Nothing to shout about yet, but I'm trying to drag this out just in case. I keep checking my phone, just waiting for any notifications of a DCL or Kane goal, but it's yet to come to fruition. <laughs> so on Saturday, we've got Burnley versus Arsenal, Sheffield versus Southampton, Villa versus Wolves, which will be a very interesting game, and Brighton versus Leicester again. Brighton could shock Leicester in that one. West Brom versus Newcastle is the first game on Sunday. Liverpool versus Fulham follows that one. Man City versus Man United, arguably the biggest game of the weekend. And then Spurs host Crystal Palace. Chelsea versus Everton is the first game on Monday, uh, on Monday evening, I should say. And then West Ham will host Leeds United. And then on Wednesday, in the double game, Manchester City will host Southampton. So again, games coming thick and fast, trying to squeeze everything in into the, the, the schedule that we have available. But I think both of our eyes are going to be drawn to that Manchester derby. And yeah, Man City, can they just walk away with the league? I mean, it will be a, a title-winning six-pointer, as it were, although Man United are 14 points back. But, you know, if Man United don't, eke out a draw in this one at least then you, ha you have to say that it's, it's Manchester City's title to lose really. Well it's funny you should say that because I suspect that Man United are going to try and eke out a really boring nil-nil <laughs> <laughs> as are another game actually the game after that the Spurs Crystal Palace game very interesting too because Palace who, who eked out a nil-nil against United look look weirdly okay at times. So that's the game that I'm picking this week as the game to sort of look out for is that is the Palace. Ver I'm, I'm calling it Palace versus Spurs, putting the onus on Palace, really, because they, 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 they go through rough patches. They keep it together. Mitchell's injured, but Patrick Van Arnholt looks OK ish. They have Eze. They have Zaha coming back eventually in, in I don't know, some time. Keep an eye on that one, Jack. Keep an eye on that one, because I, I suspect that Crystal Palace could do some damage and, and maybe... Maybe another upset's on the cards because they beat them in the first fixture this season. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think Spurs certainly shouldn't take it for granted that they will win against Palace, although it's at home um, for Spurs. But again, I think it's a team. Palace may be on, on the up, but I think Spurs, given how well they performed against a, a relatively impressive Burnley defensive side over the last couple of weeks, I think that they, there's absolutely no reason why they can't emulate that against this Crystal Palace side. I think one game that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, of course, is going to be the, the early kickoff on the Saturday, the Arsenal game, as they travel to Turf Moor against the Burnley side, who again, coming off the back of that 4-0 defeat to Spurs. Hopefully, hopefully Bukayo Saka will get into that starting lineup. I mean, I'm 100% I'm confident that he will, given the fact that he's been rested now. So I'm hoping for big things from Bukayo Saka. Um, yeah, just keep all my fingers and toes and everything crossed. I think that's a perfect place to end it. Thank you very much, Nick, for, for joining me as always. Pleasure.